What up, it's your man here, Mr. Burnham, Chronicles of Oblivion, House of Chicken. You know how we do, man. No harm, no foul. And we're here with Solo Vegans, y'all. Welcome back to the SoFlow Vegans podcast. I'm Sean Russell, the founder of SoFlow Vegans. This episode is brought to you by Hungry Harvest. Shop like it makes a difference. Get your farm fresh produce, vegan pantry items, and kitchen staples delivered right to your door with Hungry Harvest and get so much more than groceries. Every harvest rescues food from going to waste and supports local hunger-solving organizations. Get 50% off with the code SOFLOW at HungryHarvest.net. We had a great time speaking with Chris Burnham from House of Chicken. We cover a lot of topics, so we just want to jump right into it. Make sure you tune in to the end for our spotlight feature, as well as more information about how you can get involved with SoFlow Vegans. So with that being said, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with Chris Burnham from the House of Chicken. You are listening to the SoFlow Vegans podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the SoFlow Vegan podcast. I'm Sean Russell, founder and host of SoFlow Vegans. And today we are here with Chris Burnham from House of Chicken. Thank you so much for joining SoFlow Vegans. Hey, man. Appreciate you, Sean. I definitely um, look, been looking forward to this to chat with you a little bit, man. Love what you're doing, man. And just appreciate, you know, you invite me on or into your house. And we appreciate you. And you're actually, you're from, you're in the Orlando area, correct? Yes, yes, yes. Right here in Central Florida, Orlando. Um, raining right now, but you know how it is. You're down south, so you understand how that is. But yeah, right here in Orlando, Florida. Yeah, I have a, I have a close, I have a space reserved for Orlando. It's like my second home. Like legit, half of my family lives in Orlando. The other half... Ooh lives in Atlanta and they all left South Florida. So I'm the last person holding it down for South Florida, but I always have a spot to stay. So yeah, Orlando, I, I love Orlando. I just came back from Atlanta, matter of fact, um, a couple of days ago, I told you, yeah. An awesome, awesome meeting and a great opportunity. So Atlanta, uh, I love Atlanta too, man. Definitely a good place for, for black entrepreneurs, black business people and vegans too, man. It's a great spot. So we do have a little bit of a tradition on the podcast. We start off with the guest vegan origin story. And of course, um, with their vegan vegan origin story, like how did you get into this lifestyle? How did you get into this community? What were the the, the beginnings of that for you? Well, so my vegan origin story is it's crazy. I love you say origin story because I'm a super nerd. I'm like all about comics and Marvel versus DC and all that. But anyway, that's a story for another time. Um, <laughs> so we used to do a fast. My family and I, my wife, my family and I, we did a fast called the Daniel Fast. And every year uh, with our church, we would stop eating meat for 30 days. And you would just eat, you know, uh, vegetables, fruits and different things like that. And that's all you would eat. So we would do it every single year. Every single year we did the fast. And then every time I would break the fast, um, I would be like, yo, all I want after this fast is over is some Publix fried chicken, <laughs> hot sauce, and some Hawaiian rolls, and, and iced tea, straight up black meal, like straight up just meal. Like, I'm just like, I just want to grub on this, right? Mm. And so that was my tradition. I didn't want nobody to be around me. I put on my my, my little tank top, my white tank top, um, just, just cleared everything and had the hot sauce and the chicken. So... One year after, you know, following tradition, I got it, bust out the, the, the you know, paper, paper plates, got the, the fried chicken from Publix, got the hot sauce, poured it on the, a breast. I bit into it and it was raw. Mm, mm. It was absolutely disgusting. And I'm very visual. And so I, I see this raw pink chicken meat looking up at me. And I don't know what it was, Sean, but something clicked where I was just like, yeah, I'm done with eating meat. And so I thought to myself, I said, okay, as a man, if I could kill it, if I can capture it and kill it, then I should be able to eat it. I, for some reason, I don't know where that came from. I just had that mindset. So I said, okay, I can't, I don't think I could capture and kill a chicken. So that's off the menu. I definitely couldn't do that to a cow. That's off the menu. Lamb, subsequently, any kind of land animal. I said, no, no, no. And I thought to myself, okay, you know what? I can actually fish. 
catch a fish, kill it. Yeah, that, that's that's viable. Um, hadn't done it, but I was like, I thought to myself, I could, I could do it. Um, shrimp, uh, crab, lobster, all that. I would say, okay, okay, I can really capture these things and kill it and eat them. Um, so I became a pescatarian, pescatarian for ten years. Um, didn't want to let everything go. As most vegans, when they become vegan, they're like, oh, I can't, I can't stop eating that. So, but I, I cut everything cold turkey, just went pescatarian. And then three, about three years ago, I just was like, you know what? We're putting all this garbage in our ocean and that's going into our body. Um, I'm just going to stop eating everything. I just cut everything, literally every piece of actual animal product out of my life. And um, it's been the best decision that I've ever made in my life. Mm. And then on that line, in terms of decisions, deciding to open up a vegan-based business or a plant-based business is a huge decision. And what led you to that? Like, how did you get to that point where you decided to open up um, House of Chicken? I've always been into sales. I've always been the kind of hustler. Um, um, I even told the story the other day to Alva that um, even back in the day, my aunt, she worked at a, um, at a, at a medical facility and she used to get free condoms and I used to take those condoms and I used to sell them to my friends at school, knowing good and damn well, this is like fifth or sixth grade, knowing they weren't doing anything with them, but I was always this hustler. I understood, I understood, you know, the demand of it and the and them actually feeling like that they were doing something. And I knew that cost. I was like, okay, this is I'm not paying anything for it, and I'm getting a dollar for them. I just started to flip it, flip it, flip it, flip it. So I've always had that kind of that that hustler mindset where I even would go to the to the store and buy candy and break it down and, and break down the now later package and flip that. And I'm always thinking about that. So I'd been in my sales, my sales my whole life. So when I went, before I went vegan, I was always the guy that when people came to my party or when they came to my house for a barbecue, they never brought the actual dishes. They would bring the, they would bring the ingredients for dishes. Like they would bring a slab of ribs or some chicken and be like, I right, burn them. I brought this. Now you cook it. And I'd be like, Oh man. And then, Sean, I would always end up on somebody's barbecue when I went to there. So I've always, you know, so I've had the sales mentality and I've had the creative cooking mentality. Um, so when I became vegan, I knew that it was, well, when I was pescatarian and vegan, um, I knew it was imperative for me to be able to have the flavor and the taste of not only traditional dishes from my culture, you know, the black culture, but just being able to not go back to that route. So I started to really uh, develop and get into all these dishes and go online and figure things out. And then I started to make um, chili. That was the first thing that I made that was really simple and easy. Um, the chili became really dope. Um, and then so I would take it to work. And and on my break, on my lunch break, I would have a crock pot of chili, a thing of rice, all the fixings inside. And I started to sell plates for like $10 a pop. So I started thinking, I'm like, okay, well, okay, well, this works. And I did the math in my head again. Um, math in school wasn't great, but when it came to money and sales, it was always synopsis like burning. And so I was like, okay, put this together. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to start doing this. So I started selling plates on my lunch break at work. Then a homegirl, um, Jen Chandy, she's like really plugged into the vegan community here in Orlando. She's like, you know what? Your food is really dope. Why don't you go to this spot that's doing, uh, they do pop-ups. And Sean, I had no idea what a pop-up was at that mm -hmm. time. I didn't know what the hell was going on. And I said, oh, okay, sure, let's go. So we checked, We went there to check out the place. And the dude was like, listen, um, why don't you bring me some of the food? And then um, and, and we can talk then. So I, brought, I had this big-ass presentation. I had all this food and, and everything. So I brought, I brought it to him, the guy who was doing a pop-up. He's like, oh, my God, it's dope. I love your food. Um, why don't you do a pop-up here next Saturday? And I was like, um, and I've always had the mindset of saying, say yes first and then figure things out later. So I said yes um, and started to do my pop-ups and I made everything ch chili-wise. I made chili, uh, I had tacos, I had all kinds of stuff I was experimenting with. And that was the beginning of the business. It was called Burnham Up. My last name is Burnham, so Burnham Up Chili. And, and after that, I just kept working with recipes. And for some reason, I really connected with making uh, plant-based chicken. There was never a chicken out there that I was like, dude, this is dope. There was other brands, Guardian, Morningstar, but there was nothing that was really dope. So I just, for some reason, I connected with the chicken. I started doing chicken and waffles at a cafe that I used to own. And it just, it was just banging. People loved it. 
And I just said, you know what? Let me just focus on the chicken because I am pretty flighty. I'm a creative, so I, I can be a bit squirrelish. Like, oh, squirrel, <laughs> let's do this, do that. And so for some reason, I just locked into that chicken. We started to do um, these different ways of making chicken. And I kind of, and I feel like right now I've mastered the recipe and and here we are. House of Chicken is, is, a, is, is doing well. Um, we're shipping nationwide. We have a lot of people um, who tried it and they love it. So it's just kind of this journey, man. It's this three-year journey and it's the best decision that I've ever made in my life. And this is huge. I mean, the, the fact that you're able to take something that a lot of people, especially in the black community, love. And just look at what Popeyes did. Um, last, was it last year or earlier this year? Um, Chick-fil-A. It's like chicken sandwich. And even when I was growing up, like my favorite fast food meal was the chicken sandwich from Wendy's. You know, that's that's what like I, I I grew up on. So like there that has a place in people's hearts. And if you're able to, and I watched some of the videos like with Monique and a lot of other people who have um, sung your praises, that you've you've got something here. So appreciate that. So like at what point? And it's funny you're talking about the chili. Like I, that's that's the first thing that I I I want to say I mastered on my end in terms of making because it's kind of you just. Each it's easy, so you can't really mess it up. <laughs> you start to do a little flavor to it. Yeah, you're right. Chili is the first thing. So how how did that work with the chicken? Like, how did you even, you know, come up with the idea of how to make the plant based version of the chicken? Um, I just did research. I'm, I'm the kind of person that I really want to dig and I want to research and I want to I want to I want to cross reference recipes. I want to go to blogs and I want to ask questions and I want to. I want to break a lot of things before it gets to be perfected. So I made a crap load of bad chicken batches, like horrible. Like they were spongy and disgusting and just, it was just horrible, horrible, horrible. And I was following these people's recipe to the T. And I just started to get to a point where I was just like, you know what, let me take this out. Let me add this. And and I really cannot, I can't even tell you what it was to this day that well, I, I also believe that that I wanted to add something to our culture, to the black culture. And I knew, you know, shifting us for the way we eat and to the way we can eat better plant-based diet. And, you know, like you said, chicken is always part of our culture. Um, for some reason, I just gravitated to the chicken. And and I and I, I sat down one day and I was just like, you know what? There is no, there's no vegan Popeyes. There's no vegan KFC. There's no vegan anything. And so I did at that point, I still wanted to be kind of the chef. I still wanted to be the one to make these dishes and have a restaurant. But then I just, I start thinking more. I said, okay, that's overhead. That's, 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 you know, people calling in and now you have to depend on other people. I love people, but I understand that if I have to depend on them, then you have to depend on things that happen in their lives. So I just decided to become the plug. I decided to become the person who I saw what Beyond was doing. I saw what Impossible was doing. I said, oh, listen, I just need to make the dopest chicken product that I possibly can, make it the best for the market, focus just on this. And it just created that the whole vibe. Like you said, Monique, John, Sally, these people, I just started to reach out to them. And, and you know, I was just blessed that they, they reached back out to me. And, and it's just just way it happened. And, and, and then one of the big things is you reaching out to people and not being afraid to to make those connections and I know a lot of people out there may be budding entrepreneurs or budding inventors or what have you. What would be your advice on that quick note in terms of reaching out to people that you feel may be a good match for what you're creating? A couple of, couple of things about that, Sean, is that, that right now in the, in the time that we live in today, um, our phones, the internet, um, social media, that's the great equalizer. You know, 10, 15 years ago, there was a process that you would have to go through with pretty much anything. Um, if you have, if you're a rapper or if you're creating something or you would have to go through a process and go through a, a gatekeeper. But right now there's no more gatekeeper. The gatekeeper is the internet. Um, the gatekeeper is social media. And if you have the, the will and the effort to go out there and continue to knock on those doors, somebody will answer, but you just have to get to a point where you just, you, 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 every time that I approach somebody, I always approach them in a sense of, Hey, this is what I'm doing. Uh, I would love to send you some of my product and I never ask for anything back. Um, if you're always in a giving mode and you're always in how can I serve you mode, 
I see these people most of the time, they, they're just starting their vegan journey. And I'm like, listen, I, I heard you talking about veganism and, 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 and I'll mention something to let them know that I am, I'm, I'm dialed into them. I, I don't just make these, I don't just send these random emails or, or, or spam emails. I say, hey man, I saw you post the other day when you were talking to your daughter, blah, blah, blah. And, I, and they know that, I, that I'm engaged. And I just continue to contact them and say, whenever you're ready, um, I can send you something. Um, I would love your opinion. I would love your, your your thoughts on what I'm doing. And I'll just leave it at that. And then I'll continue to reach out to them, touch base with them, um, post their, repost their things, just being a giving, giving mode, always giving. And then it just happens to an uh, energy of reciprocity where they come back and say, you know what? Hey, man, why don't you go ahead and send me some of that? And it's just been the doors have just came wide open, you know, give uh, in a giving mind state, the, the doors just go wide open. And how did that actually translate into sales, into increased recognition? Let's just say, um, cause you had a couple, you had Tabitha Brown, you had Monique, you had John Sally. So like when those things happen, let's say the first one, the first um, big um, cosign, what impact did you see on your business from that? So the first big co-sign that we had was Official Gray. Um, you know, he's a, the vegan rapper out of Atlanta. I love his family. I love him. They've always showed me love. They're the first people to really show me love. Um, he had a Thanksgiving, his second annual Thanksgiving, and he brought me there as one of the featured chefs. Um, this is when I was making all different kind of things. I made a, a seafood mac and cheese, baked mac and cheese that was fire. Um, and so once that happens, once you get that recognition, two things happen. Uh, you obviously get more eyeballs on you. People, people will 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 reach out to you more, and then your social media following grows. Um, but also, you have to be prepared for that. You have to be able to be in a position to give people something at that moment. And I've just been in a position every time to give people something, or to or to have something available for them. Um, it's great that if I had, you know, Gray, Monique, John, Sally, whomever, taste the food. But then I don't have the the processes in 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 the way to get the product out to the to everyone else. Then you just got to be ready. So what has happened every single time that we've had somebody who gave us a cosign, the sales go through the roof. Um, but I'm I'm a I'm a big viewer of the Shark Tank, and there can be a thing called the Shark Tank curse. That mm -hmm. when you go in the Shark Tank, um, it could blow your stuff up too much, where you may not have the have the facility, the ability to maximize on that moment. So I realized that, that every time that I get somebody to co-sign, that I, I have to be ready to maximize on that moment. And part of that, being being able to maximize that is, is, giving, is giving myself a certain amount of time or a certain window to ship. So I'll do a, a two-week window where this is what we're shipping and we only have limited supply. And I've done that over and over again because it is just me and my family. My daughter's helped me out. So you just kind of have to be prepared and you have to listen to, to what people are asking for. Um, and it's just a continual, continuous, you know, growth. Uh, the Atlanta trip was really, really big. And we're going to, um, I just um, uh, shared a, a picture that Jermaine Dupree, we actually met up with him and it's going to be some other videos that we released. So we've been just fortunate, man. You just have to be ready. You have to be ready to take advantage of those opportunities and, and, Every time it's happened, man, the sales have increased, the notoriety has increased, the viewership has increased. Um, I just, I just been blessed. I, I can't even, I can't even, I can't even, I can't, I couldn't even have written this story to be honest with you. So you know, so it looks like you, you have no problem finding opportunities, being open, being aware of the opportunities that are in front of you, taking advantage of them. Um, in doing that, have you? learned any valuable lessons that maybe if you knew now you wouldn't have done it back then that you'd want to share with anyone that's listening? Um, I, I have this saying that I say that the, the destination may be different, but the destiny remains the same. If mm. you believe that you're destined for something great, if you believe in your heart that you are meant to do something special, you have to just continue to start walking. I, it, you 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 may try to plan it out. You may try to make it this perfect storm, but as an entrepreneur, as a as a just a person in life, there's never going to be the perfect the perfect storm or the perfect walk. So if, as long as you're walking in that direction, different things that are going to come up, and you just have to remain not flexible but fluid. That you can flow just like water. 
like Bruce Lee said, become water. You have to be able to flow in different directions because, you know, a year ago, we didn't know about, we wouldn't think about COVID. We wouldn't be thinking about how this election would be. We wouldn't be thinking, now, now I have to deal with the USPS, what's happening with the post office. So you have to always remain fluid and, and just, that's all I can tell people, just remain fluid and continue to walk. Start walking, start walking. You'll end up somewhere, but start walking and start listening to other people. And if you do that, success will come, most most definitely. So you mentioned a few things. I'm going to get to COVID in a little bit, but um, shipping. This is something that I don't always get a chance to ask. And I see some videos, some humorous videos about the different companies and how they rank in terms of customer service. But I'm sure you you deal with, you've done your due diligence and you found the right way to ship out your products that works for you. So what's been your experience with these different companies and like, especially even let's put USPS in the mix. Like what is your current um, situation in terms of shipping? Yeah, that's who I, that's what we use right now. It's the USPS to ship. Um, they've always been reliable. They've been affordable. Um, I go through another website that actually gives you discounts. If you're a business to ship that way, um, it's been excellent. You just have to really, and, and at first I used, um, I used FedEx and then UPS and they were, they, they were, they were good too, but they were a little bit, they're not meant for the small business in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, USPS is a little bit more to the small business, but like I said, now that things are happening, I just have to figure out how to shift it. Um, and, and, and I'll tell you this, Sean, when we first started shipping everything, we used UPS and it was a it was a big burden on on my customers. It was a, it was the, the prices were to ship was just ridiculous. I could have kept it that way, but I said to myself, I'm like I have to do a little bit more research to figure out what's going to be the best option for my customers because you only get that one shot. You know, you only get that one chance to make that 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 first impression. And you know, you just got to. I did my research, and USPS was the best. Um, they are more the most affordable, um, but right now, now we're in a sticky situation with how fast they can get to it. Because I ship everything in priority, and now we're impacted. So it's just you know, but I but I. The funny thing about me is I don't typically stress. I don't typically stress things. Mm. I don't typically worry. I just say, okay, what's next? What can I learn from this? And just kind of keep it pushing. So I mean, let's. I'm going to put a pin in the COVID. I'm going to get to that in a second. But you mentioned something about stress. And um, to me, that, that's an, a great distinction you mentioned. And it would, I want to dip into that a little bit. In terms of self-care and, and self-awareness, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on that in terms of being an entrepreneur and 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 taking yourself to that destination that you want to go to? Well, I think that especially in the black community, I think that we do need to figure out best ways to have self-care. Um, so for me, I have a morning routine that I do. When I wake up, um, there's a meditation in the morning. There's um, affirmations in the morning. There's a there's a point where I don't touch my phone um, when, when I first wake up. I try to move it as further furthest away from me that I possibly can have it in the morning. Um, brush my teeth with my left hand because it's, it sends out different different synapses in your brain that, that kind of makes you be wired differently because I am right-handed. Um, and so if I have that morning routine and then I, then I journal and then I read something and then we get the day going. Um, because I know for me, I can go hard. I, I'm, like I always tell, I'm the first one in and the last one out. I will go harder than anybody. But because of that, I need to have that self-care. And then there's, there's every at least five days a week I'm working out. I'm running. I'm doing high-intensity interval training. I'm doing something that I know my body could physically get better. And then another thing is I'm reading. I'm always reading. I'm, I am continuously reading or listening to some type of book or a podcast. So, you know, you have to really pour into yourself because especially being an entrepreneur, um, um, being a bleeding, you know, a black man in, in today's society, you can get to a point where it could stress you out and you can, and I'll be no good to anybody. I'll be no good to my family. I'll be no good to my customers. I'll be no good to myself. So gotta have that, that self care daily. And so, so, yeah, I 100% agree with you. Self-care is really important. And 
when you are in situations where let's just say a lot of it, it's, it's coming at you. It's a fire hose of whatever, fill in the blank. What are some of the things you like, which that you go to your go-tos to kind of decompress and, you know, shift and go, go a hundred percent again. At first thing, first thing first, I don't take anything personal. Mm. I don't take anything personally because, you know, when things are coming at you, whether I'm on the phone with a, uh, uh, um, a distributor or whether I'm on the phone with a vendor, uh, whether I'm dealing with a customer going back and forth with the email, I don't take anything personally because, you know, people, if somebody's mad, they're just mad. They're not mad. I don't look at it as they're mad at me, right? That's the first thing. I don't, I don't take it personally. Um, and then, then secondly, I just really try to always view things from the other per- person's perspective. Like, okay, why they feel this way or what are their thoughts in this? Or, or if I can view it from their perspective and understand their, their pain issues, then I'll be okay. And then I just, I, honestly, I'm just breathing. I'm just taking a breath. I'll take a moment away. I'll, I will, you know, have my coffee after I do my morning ritual and, and I'm just chilling, man. I'm just chilling. I just started to get into massages and I'm going to, my next step is going to be manicures and pedicures because I want to make sure that I can take care of myself and have no stress, you know, little pampering, pampering, you know, most, most men, especially black men won't pamper themselves in that nature, but man. I got I got daughters and and they 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 always tell me daddy you got to take care of yourself so I got to take care of myself if, if if I don't if I don't do that then it's no part of my legacy can't be I can't I it can't be created so don't take it personally see the other person's point of view and I'm just I got to take care of myself man and if you're you're listening right or watching this right now there's gems like like shooting all through the screen right now. So my question to you is like, how did you get to this point where you're able to look at all of these different life hacks and apply them to yourself? Um, like, were you always this way or did you go through certain situations that brought you to this particular part of your life? I've always been a person that I, that I wanted to look at others and, and be mentored. That, that's the thing too. I always, and willing to learn and to be mentored by anybody because I, like I said, success leaves clues. So I've always had a little bit of that inside of me. Um, it's, I guess this way I was raised from my mom. Um, but then I got to a point where um, I started to get into again in sales, um, retail sales, and I just always thought to myself, how can I get better? How can I improve? And me being improving, I was like, okay, who's doing what? And then that's how I got hip to Tony Robbins and. Once I got hit with Tony Robbins, it was just that just opened the floodgates to so many things. Um, reading a book, um, um, The Alchemist changed my life. Um, that that's a book that really, really had me in a different mind state, man. That book blew my mind. And then I look at since since I can't be physically be be mentored, I follow people like Will Smith, um, Kevin Hart, people who are doing big things. And like I said, success leaves clues. So I've always had a little bit of this inside of me, but then I just always realized that 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 there are other people doing what you want to do. They just follow what they do. Just follow what they do. It's very simple. When I was coming up, when I was in high school, um, my dad wasn't in my life. So I played sports at a high level, but it got to a point where I didn't listen to my coaches. Like there was a coach who wanted me to specifically play defense. He knew that my talents were better suited on defense. I wanted to play offense. I'm from Chicago, so Walter Payton, running back, was like my idol. Um, but I, but I should have listened to that coach because I know that that that's where my talents and that's where he he was. That's where he kind of hung his hat on was defense, and that always stuck in my mind, Sean. Where I knew, like, you know, if I would have done that, my life would have been different. So that really changed my life to have me being able to listen more and to be mentored. And to be able to continue to take my life to that different step because I don't I don't know everything, um, and so I, I I believe that most of it came from my mom the way she raised me she raised me super confident like very 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 confident uh, she always pushed me out there like pushed me off of the edge and I saw I was uh, I'm a leaper so I leap I leap before I even like think people say look before you leap I will leap before I look all the time. So I've had a little bit of that in me at all times, but 
now I get to a point where I'm just digging for knowledge. I'm just searching like, you know, Quincy Jones, somebody who I looked up to. And and I think now that I just now we're kind of saying this, the era that I grew up in hip hop was very important too. Because I grew up in the era where it wasn't just rappers or singers or it, it was entrepreneurs. There was Diddy, there was uh, Master P, there was um, Cash Money. There were these guys who were doing things as entrepreneurs and they weren't begging their labels for anything. They were making big moves. They were owning their own masters. They were doing things in a way that, that I had never seen before. And I have an affinity. I love hip hop. I love music. So I think just now talking about it more, I definitely think those things actually shifted my mind too. So you, you mentioned being from Chicago. So what, so we're, we're part of Chicago. Like I, I went to Chicago, actually had the opportunity to visit Chicago last year and get a tour of, and get a tour. And um, it's a beautiful city, but I'm sure there's parts of Chicago that I haven't, didn't see that's commonly talked about. So what's the reality versus the perception that we hear about, assuming that you, you know, you lived in Chicago long enough to, you know, experience the Chicago. Yeah, so so the reality of it is, it's like any urban city. It's like any city where there's a as a a high um, level of, of of black folks, a high concentration. Um, there are going to be situations where if people don't have the right um, outlets, especially young men, don't have the right outlets, they don't have the right mentorship, they don't have the right people to look up to or to guide them in a certain way. Um, they're going to do certain things, and and those certain things aren't going to benefit them um, to them being successful. So, we I grew up in a in a in a I grew up in a, in a weird not weird place, but I went to Catholic school on the north side. Uh, my mother was she was brilliant enough to send four kids to private school in Chicago. Then on the weekends and 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 at night, I would go to the south side where it was it'd be a little bit rougher. It'll be a little bit more grittier, it's a little bit more, you know, Chicago, the shy, what you see on that. Um, so there, there's that double side that, that I had that I dealt with in life. And I think that that really helped to make me the person that who I was too. Because on one hand, I was around people who, some of my friends' uh, parents owned restaurants and dry cleaners and different things of that nature when I went to school. Then I went home and it was around just the loving community. Um, there were, there was some, some violence and issues there, of course, I think, and I think that plays into um, people's PTSD. You know, as a, mm. as a black, you see certain things. I don't think people, they, I don't think people recognize that. So I grew up there for for a long time, and and, and a friend of mine, unfortunately, was murdered at a young age. And mm. I tell people I love Chicago. I love everything it's about. Um, of course, like any other city, it has its issues. I mean, in Orlando, we have we have certain places that you don't go to either. I mean, there's certain places in Orlando mm -hmm. that you absolutely do not go to, and this is like. City Beautiful, the Magic Kingdom. So there's places like that everywhere, whether they're black, Hispanic, white, whatever the case is, they're places that you just don't go. Um, but I say that I won the lotto because my mother had the foresight to to move from Chicago. Uh, she moved to a place that was not too much better, but it was better, um, but Houston, Texas. Mm. Um, we went to, we lived in a ward in Houston, so Houston has wow. its, its things too. But I, I say that I won the lotto because we moved from, from a city that it could have easily, I could have easily gone into different routes in my life. And I moved to Texas and that's why I fell in love with sports and, and shifted. So Chicago, I'll always have a place in my heart for Chicago, but um, I won the lotto, man. My mother moved out and other kids just didn't have that opportunity. Wow. So Chicago, Houston, Orlando. So you've had an opportunity to live in three different regions of, of the country. Has that influenced your drive to create a product that will reach these communities? Like what role did your upbringing and your experiences growing up um, play into the production of the House of Chicken products? Um, I love my people. I think I think black people are the coolest people on the planet. We dictate culture. Um, we we the music are from music to food to fashion to vernacular to to you know whatever it is we dictate that. And no matter what city I've been in, I've I love all people. Don't get me I'm a vegan, so you know I have that compassion for everything and everybody. But 
my people I really love. And I always wanted to be able to give something back to my people to help elevate us and put us in a position where we have equity, not equality. Mm. Just equality is cool, but equity, we need, we need those businesses. And I think that not only creating a product that people can be proud of as a black owned business that everybody can consume, definitely, but they can be proud of, but also show, show people that you can be an entrepreneur in spaces that people may not think you belong in and you go to those spaces and you rock and you kill it, you crush it. Um, and that's, that's, that's part of what played into, into, you know, house of chicken and the growth. So I love my people. I love who we are. I love what we've done. I love what we've been through. I love our struggles. Um, and so that's something that really has pushed me to the next level to, to want to help. I want people to say like, okay, this, this, this brother's in this vegan space creating something that's, that's pretty dope. Um, yeah. So maybe I can do it. Maybe I can do it with my X, Y, Z company. Um, so yeah. So the, the places that I grew up that really, they, they really shaped me, but my people shaped me more than anything. So right now there's a lot of buzz with KFC and their, their plant-based chicken. Mm-hmm. How do you see this? playing with what you're creating you know is there yeah let me leave it at that what are, what are your thoughts on that i absolutely effing love it i absolutely love it because what's happening there see i never have a mind state of scarcity there's not there's no such thing as scarcity in my life i don't i don't see jay-z said the line what you eat don't make me shit like when kfc <laughs> doing their thing it's not gonna break me but what it is going to do is it's going to put the spotlight on vegan chicken, right? And and it's going to get to a point where it's going to be a company is going to have to say, man, I would love a vegan product, but we don't have the facilities to produce it. KFC is doing it, but we need this product. Duh. Mm-hmm. You know, how the chicken. So for me, people, people, when they started doing it, people would send me messages People be like, oh, look what they're doing. Look what they're doing. Expecting me. If you don't know me, you would think that I'd be like, oh, ringing my head and being like, oh, woe is me. Nah, man, the spotlight is brighter. Now, now people are talking about, now it's become normalized, right? Now people say, well, KFC's doing it. So wait, let me check this house of chicken out. Oh, house of chicken only has, they don't have any preservatives, any additives. It's it's handmade and it's black. Oh, wait a second. Mm. Now I got a different mindset. So for me, I'm cool with that. I love what they're doing. Do more of a KFC because my product is better. <laughs> um, so you, you you brought up something interesting, you know, being a Black-owned business. In the last couple of weeks, also me being a Black-owned um, black business owner, I don't know if you've noticed maybe like a little bit of a shift, especially around the times of, um, around the, the protest and the, the, the murder of, um, of George Floyd. Right. Did you see any... How did that impact your business in terms of um, maybe media outlets now looking for Black-owned businesses to start showcasing? Did you um, experience any of that? I did, and I, I did. I think it's so dope. Um, I believe that, like I said, because we dictate culture, because we dictate things as a community, I also believe that we have enough to take care of take care of each other. We have enough to... To, and, and I say these things, I, I always want to make this, I guess, put the asterisk that I don't, it's not that I have an, an exclusion mind state. I have an inclusion mind state and I want to uplift my people for them to grow more, to be, to be, to build our own tables that we can put next to the table of anyone else and then grow together. That's what I'm looking at. So I just think that when people start looking at more black businesses and and Beyonce did a thing where she was giving grants and there was other people giving grants. I think it's so dope. I think it's amazing because we have to get into better spaces. We have to get into better places where we not only can can sell our products, but we start to understand how business runs. Because, you know, I don't know if it's true with you, but I didn't come from a family of, of, of entrepreneurs. We're doing we're, a lot of my family is entrepreneurship now, but I didn't come from that from that background where there was money there, or there was there was a legacy there, there was anything of that nature. So I think that now that the spotlight is getting bigger and bigger, then it's 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 up to us as black business owners like you and I to be ready and to be ready with the product to give to our people. 
And will our people be harder on us sometimes? Mm. Possibly. But we just got to give a dope-ass product. And when you give a dope-ass product, it doesn't really matter. You, you, you'll come to the you, – you will shine sooner or later. You mentioned – once again, you meant, you're mentioning a lot of interesting things here. Um, you talked about the – you're speaking to the mindset of of an entrepreneur and a lot of the things you were saying earlier as far as like selling the candy and all that stuff i was like oh wow you know i, I guess i guess that is part of the the uh the, the checklist of um of entrepreneurs like you know hustling you know i remember remember being a kid going to local restaurants um during the summer i think like in middle school being like hey you know i'll pass out flyers for you in exchange for money or our lunch you know it's like just yeah. figuring figuring things out. So, uh, do you feel like that's a a mindset that comes with maybe like a more of a personality type or a temperament, or is that something that could be learned by someone who by learned? Do you think it's more? Um, I'm trying to figure out what's the word. How do they say it? There you go. Exactly. Yeah. I think I think that that everyone has a natural aptitude for certain things. We gravitate to certain things. We gravitate. To certain things that we like, um, and so you can have that natural ability. It's just like an athlete, right? We know people who were probably in the history, in the lore of athletics, people that were probably better than Michael Jordan or LeBron James, right? Talent-wise, they 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 were born with a gift, with a talent that's similar to those to those individuals. We've also heard the stories of those individuals never reaching their 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 potential, right? So mm-hmm. I think you have that natural aptitude, but then you oh, there's also these these things, these 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 little this little something that you know that 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 you that you just kind of have this drive and you just don't care and it's just the yeses mean way more than the noes. I can get 22 noes, but that one yes is so sweet. And I so I believe that that's natural in us, but also it can be cultivated. It can mm-hmm. be cultivated to be better. So it's just like 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 Kobe Bryant was six six what six six five six six right but then also Kobe Bryant was in the gym before everyone started and after everyone left right mm-hmm. so you have that natural aptitude we all have it but then you gotta go to work you gotta go to work like I, I have I always have these sayings in my head man it's like talent is cool but hard work will beat talent we see singers we see actors garbage we're like yo they how do they keep getting roles because they work their ass off, man. They work their ass off, and they work to best to what they have. So we do have the natural ability, but then you and I, you went to saw those restaurants. You said, "Wait a second, I need to feel this 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 little gut in me." I saw cans and bottles, and I saw ten cents on the bottles, the Coke bottles, and I was like, "Okay, ten times ten. I need to do this. I don't want to ask my money, my mother, for money because she was mm-hmm. she was struggling. She's struggling. She's four kids." And I don't want to. I don't feel feel weird asking her for money when she's giving me everything else. So let me go ahead and do this, and it grows and grows and grows. So you have that natural ability, but then at the end of the day, you got to put on. You got to go to work. You got to go to work, and that's the best part of it. That best part of it is that work. Is that work? You put that work in, and then you get that little bitty, little bitty, little bitty nugget. You dig for for a hell of a lot of time, digging, digging, digging. You get that little nugget. You're like, whoa. <laughs> I want more now. So yeah, so I think it's a little bit of both. Long ass, long ass story short, it's a little bit of both. And, and you mentioned another element too that I feel is important, at least in my journey. It's the circumstance. It's like I know my I know how hard my mom worked. You know, she was a sing, mm-hmm. single mom. I didn't live with my father, working three jobs, come, you know, coming off cooking, going to sleep, getting ready to the next job. And yeah. then you know, I could I did never saw myself being like, oh could I get those new um, Patrick Ewings or whatever, knowing how hard she works. So I just did it myself, you yeah. know? So yeah. like, so for me, I want to throw in that too, like the motive, not circumstance, the motivation, mm-hmm. you know, like your why, your vision of why you're creating what you're creating. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to toss that in there because it's, 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 I'm, as I'm listening to you and I'm, and the questions I'm asking are because I agree with a lot of what you're saying, you know, in terms of the mindset, in terms of the self-awareness and, and the self-care, those things are important, even in the vegan movement. And I try to, I'm actually making a conscious effort to drop this in, in almost every podcast, um, the acronym HEAL. Um, you ever heard of that, um, that acronym? 
Mm-mm. in terms of the vegan community. So what it basically for you out, out there listening, HEAL stands for health, the environment, animals, and love. Oh, and then the love part was what really resonated with me because I knew about the first three, you know, mm-hmm. but the, the love part made so much sense in terms of having compassion, not just for other people, but for yourself, having love for yourself. And that that dips into the self-care conversation we were having. So just hearing that infused and you talking about your business um, makes me excited for people listening to this episode. I love that, man. And, and you know, sometimes love is, is saying no. Mm. Sometimes love is just saying, nah, I can't do that. Sometimes no love is just saying, I have to remove low vibrational people from my life. And sometimes love is love is not just love is I don't believe love is a swinging door where you just people just come in and out and they, they treat you a certain way that goes with self-care. So man, that's that's a dope acronym, bro. I, I definitely will be using that. And I and I got that acronym from Dr. Silas Rao from the Climate Healers. So I just wanted to give a proper credit Dom, to him. So, so I was I've been holding off on talking about this because I think we're all sick and tired of it by now. And you listening at home right now probably know what I'm about to talk about. COVID. So how did the pandemic how did it impact your business? Um yeah, how did COVID impact um, you? Man, I, I I almost hate to say, and and to anybody who's dealt with that, to lost a loved one, who's who's lost a job or has been impacted, my heart goes out to you. I'm sending you love and dope ass energy. Anybody who's had to deal with that, um, for me though, Sean, it's like as an entrepreneur, there's there's always a there's always a a, a epidemic. There's always there's always a, a situation. There's always a a COVID, COVID if you will. Um, there's always a situation that you have to deal with something, and I and I believe that my thought process of understanding that there always is something or there always will be something. I just I dealt with it in stride, you know. Um, did it impact as far as financially? Of course, but now I have to do business in a different manner. Now I have to. You know, my email follow-up game has to be tighter. Um, my promotion has to be better. The product has to be better. Um, but then also, there's people who are going away from eating meat now. Now I have to be able to give them opportunity. So I have to always view everything in a in a positive light. Like I I, I continuously, I will have I will have my my sympathy and my empathy in, in every situation. But I have to always think to myself. What does this what does this really mean? Like, what does this really mean? What's important? Um, and again, as an entrepreneur, man, there's always gonna be something. There's always gonna be something. There's gonna be a market crash. There's gonna be a, a, a vendor's not gonna have their product available. There's always gonna be something. And you have to always, that goes back to the thought that I said earlier, being fluid, being like water. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. And you just have to do your best to to really dig deep and and come out of this. In a, in a different way, come out of this um, better than ever, come out of this with a better understanding of health, um, of understanding that, that you know, you have to show others love, you have to give them grace and patience because they may be going through something during this, this pandemic. So for me, I just have to always look at things that it's going to happen. We're going to deal with it. You know, how, how do I, how do I deal with it is, is the master key. And he- Yes. And, and uh, in terms of, I always remind myself of something when I face a, an obstacle. And I'm saying this because this is the spirit of the conversation that we're having right now. I, you know, I don't always, you know, speak this way. Whenever I come across, uh, I look at, I try to look at things at, well, I don't try. I look at things like gifts in my life, presented in my life. Mm. You know, I look at the hierarchy of my how I am um, processing the world. Mm-hmm. I can look at something like a problem or I could decide to look at it as a challenge, mm-hmm. opportunity, percent, yep. or that gift. And that it. can be done with any situation. And for me, it's important to be able to be in a mindset where I can choose where I want to be, you know? 
perfectly. That's what I, I have. I have this thing again that I always say these mantras and these things, but it's like, I get to decide what something means to me. I get to choose that. I literally get to decide what this car accident means to me, what, what, a, what a broken thumb means to me, what a, what a, what a, what a, what a, you know, a co- whatever happens, I get to literally put a definition to it. No one else gets to do that with me in my mind. So anyone can tell me anything that they think about it, but I get to decide what this means. Like you said, is it a lesson? Is it a gift? Is it a curse? Whatever it is, I get to decide it. And because I get to decide it, I'll decide on the positive side more often than not. And and in keeping in that spirit, where do where do we where do you see House of Chicken next year at this time? So I see House of Chicken next year at this time being um, the vendor to some major restaurants and some major um, outlets. Um, I, I still love going to going to love giving it from business to customer to consumer. But I think the B two B for House of Chicken is going to grow tremendously by the end of next year, um, and then it's going to put me in a position to do what I what I really want to do, which is not only teach teach others how to make the best of their lives and teach others how to be entrepreneurs, especially in our community, the Black and Brown community. Teach others how to take nothing um, and make something out of it. It's going to give me a better platform to do to do so um and then then at the end of the day i want to help our our homeless problem i have i have an idea that i just won't share just yet but i have, i want to help share our homeless problem so house of chicken while i love it and i have a passion for it it's just a conduit to do the next my next level my next step and so i see house of chicken i, I believe that it's coming soon i manifest things i speak things into ex- existence I visualize things and I see I see us being into some really big um, partnerships is what I see. And hopefully at the end of the day, when we when the kids go back to school, I really want to see House of Chicken in school um, as, as an option for, for for kids to eat. So, you know, I got some big dreams, some big thoughts, but um, I know, man, it's I get to, I get to write my own legacy. I get to write my own book. So. You know, that's where I want House of Chicken to be. Oh, man. Being the author. You got to love it, right? (laughs) So as we're winding down, we're closing out the podcast right now. I want to start talking about the the Black community in general. There's a lot of things that that come up when you start talking about... the certain communities we touch on a little bit about some of the things that are going on in Chicago, Houston, Orlando, South Florida, pretty much any major metropolitan area, you're going to see this intersection. And it's not unique with just the black community. It's, you know, every community has it, but for the purposes of our conversation, I want to focus on the black community. What are some of the misconceptions that you feel that are out there in terms of the black community and veganism? Because, you know, as of this year, we, you know, we're, looked at as one of the top fastest growing segments of the vegan community. So what are some of the misconceptions that you've seen in terms of um, people of color and veganism? So the one thing that I combat all the time, and it is because the reason I'm doing what I'm doing is that we can't have the same dishes that we loved growing up and being vegan. They can't be soulful. They can't be flavorful. Um, So that's something that, that I, that I believe that happens on, from our side, from from black folks looking at, at veganism, thinking that you know they can't have we can't have the dishes that we want, and that's something that House of Chicken is is directly combating, like you know crushing. Um, I also see that that the whole thing veganism is a white thing. When truth be told, is there's so many of our of our ancestors in certain places in the islands that have had vegan diets in Africa that have had vegan diets. And I just think it's a lack of um, understanding. And then from, I guess, from anyone else, um, just understanding that that how veganism can really shift. Like we, we black folks, we belong in this in, in this community. We have something to give in this community. Um, and I think that um, I just want people to understand that. I want black folks to understand that 
You can have everything that you ever wanted. Same way, without with no harm, no foul, no killing animals, nothing of that nature. You can have that. And then other people just understand that, you know, the, there, there's a lot of black vegans out there and it's growing. I, I, I say this all the time. It's just the tip of the iceberg of, of, of the black vegan, black vegan movement. It's going to happen more this year and next year. I, th- I believe in my gut, going to be the two biggest years. There's going to be some things that are going to shift. There are going to be some, some stars. We've had people, Beyonce, dabble some different here and there. But it's about to be a huge movement. And, and I think that people will start to see that we have so much more to give to this community. Yeah, in terms of the celebrities, you know, going vegan, like Lizzo just went vegan. Kevin Hart said he's going plant-based, you know, you know, and also that's the other thing, the distinction between plant-based and vegan. I feel that um, it's one of those things like it's, you know, pick your, you know, read the room. <laughs> you yeah. know, if people if people yeah. are like excited about something and they're like, oh, I'm going to go vegan, you know, six days a week. You know, I, my, you know, my advice to the vegans that may be listening to this podcast is let them let them celebrate that. Let yeah. them you know, don't yeah. don't be don't be the per- you know. First of all, you could do whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. Me, I wouldn't be the person to. Well, actually, what you're describing is plant based because veganism is not going to help the cause. It's not really going <laughs> to help the cause. You meet people where they are. Um, I was a part of. I was a, a at one point. I was a youth pastor, and Christianity can be almost like that too. It's like people kind of people forget that they were unsaved at one point. Mm-hmm. And you had to be talked to in a certain manner to to be saved. And and you're a vegan. You weren't. Most of us weren't born vegans. So let people go through their journey. And it's so weird because when people talk to me about it, they're like, "I I, I ate I ate some butter the other day." I'm like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not the pope. You don't have to freaking confess to me, bro. Like, you good? You good? Oh, I I I, I sniffed a burger. I'm like, bro, just chill. Like you you good? It, it's all good. I say it's a, it's a it's a imperfect it's a beautifully imperfect perfect journey. It's just a journey, man. It's just you'll get there. You trust me, man. I've been there. You'll you know just open up and it's all good. It, whether you're plant based, whether you're vegan, whether you're fast food vegan, whether you're whole food vegan, whether you eat impossible, eat beyond, bruh, you're not killing animals, man. You're not you're not consuming that that bad energy, and you'll get to a point to not want to eat all that shit you're going to be like oh, let me have some smoothies let me have a salad let me let me eat some fruit some veggies you'll go through your journey but you're right man just let them celebrate it right so so this i'm going to close off the podcast with with um two things one if someone if i go to someone and say house of chicken is amazing and they say what is house of chicken what is your answer uh, we create a plant-based chicken that has the same taste and texture and flavor without the harm. And we say no harm, no foul, F-O-W-L. Mm. And any closing remarks, any, maybe things we didn't touch on, something you may want to just summarize, like what are what are your closing thoughts for our audience? Um, just, you know, go out there and love on some people. Love on yourself, um, change the world, change your internal universe and your outside universe will give you everything that your heart desire. So just go out there and love yourself, love others and make shit happen. Do dope shit. That's what I say. Do dope shit. Whatever that means to you, do it. And where can we find more about House of Chicken? You go to hocvegan.com, House of Chicken. So it's hocvegan.com. Follow us um, on Instagram and Facebook at House of Chicken, no E. So it's House of C-H-I-C-K-N. Um, and um, yeah, just, just, you know, hit me up if you have ideas about business and you want to chat about businesses or if you have ideas about entrepreneurship or you have thoughts, hit me up, man. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an open book. I'm here to help. And I, I forgot to ask you this question. This is a big one for our audience. What is the actual base of the chicken that you make? So it's 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 um, vital B gluten, which is seitan based. Um, it's soy free, dairy free, nut free. Um, we're working on a few products that will be gluten and soy free, but all of our products will be soy free. 
Um, we're working on a product that's going to be both gluten-free and soy-free. Still working on it, trying to get a, a, a gluten-free chicken. That's been the most challenging piece of it, but um, it's coming soon. Um, yeah, so stay tan based by the weekend. And what about GMOs, organic, things of that nature? Nothing, nada, 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 not a damn thing. Not There's no ingredient. We're still working on getting the ingredient and a process patent, um, but there's no ingredient in our food that you cannot, um, you can't pronounce. It's very, very clean, very, very, very clean. Non-GMO, um, no additives, no preservatives. It's just some good good stuff man and i can't wait to actually try it and you know go live do some videos post it so i'll be up placing my order soon because i really i'm excited that you know someone who's living in florida is doing big things for the community and representing for entrepreneurs representing for black men representing for human beings in general so thank you so much for being on the podcast and i look forward to connecting with you as you continue to grow as we continue to grow you continue to grow sean if you ever need anything just reach out to me man i'm definitely like i said i'm here i appreciate the opportunity appreciate you chatting with me i love the questions and um if you have any other questions man just let me know spotlight commencing in five four three Two, one. I'm Chef Johnny No Bones. You're here at Johnny No Bones at the Old River House Vegan Village, and I'm with So Float Vegans. I'm serving comfort food. People are coming in shorts and flip flops, and their pets, and sitting outside and by the water. So that's what's going on now. I've got fries and uh, blistered shishito peppers with a miso dipper. You know, I've got some real comfort food. I've got smash burgers, uh, meatball subs, but I also have fancy salads and ceviche. As things progress a little bit, I'm gonna go ahead and it's gonna get fancier and fancier, more raw items, more diverse menu. Um, but right now, even my vegans are coming in, they want comfort food, they want french fries. So, giving the people what they want. There's a couple things that make this unique. Um, obviously the food number one, my food is no one else is serving this, period, on the story. Um, and as they start to, I'm gonna be, I've got oyster po' boys. I don't know where you can get an oyster po' boy for real now, never mind, vegan. Um, fresh coconut ceviche, like I said, but it's the whole environment, it's a whole package. You can come here, you can buy a piece of jewelry, you can buy one of these little cute plants, and um, you can see artists at work. I mean, there's so much to do here. And we're on the water. I mean, you see we're packed outside right now. It's the middle of the afternoon. I want to make sure that not only vegans are welcome here, but non-vegans. This is a real safe space for everybody. And I'm personally here all the time to make sure it's like that. We're going to have a sushi bar, a ramen bar, um, all vegan sushi, including sea urchin and shrimp, all that stuff. Um, then on top of that, um, outdoors, we're gonna have all sorts of events. We're gonna have reggae night and all that going on, obviously, as soon as they lift the, the restrictions. Um, you can rent this place for a private event. We have catering on board. So I do full service catering out of here. And I'm gonna have the whole upstairs full of vendors. You can also rent a room here for like a corporate event. We have rooms that fit 10, 20 people. Spend the whole day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, have seminars. Obviously, it's gotta be a vegan event. Um, and the juice bar too, we'll have our full Cold Quest juice bar. You can go to riverhouseveganvillage.com. That's our website. And you can always call here. It's 954-233-2667. Um, we're taking reservations now. We want to invite you to go to soflowvegans.com to check out our directory where you can actually vote for Johnny No Bones restaurant in our restaurant section. And while you're here, check out all of our other directories and use this as your resource to help you on your vegan journey and also pass the links on to other people so they can also have this information so for example under bakeries you will be able to see all of the ba vegan bakeries here in south florida and if there's one not listed we will be adding it and you can vote and the more votes you give your favorite businesses restaurants listings the higher up they'll 
be and what does that mean for those businesses they'll be easily found by people looking for a valuable resource so go to soflowvegans.com slash directories for more information and if you have any questions send us an email at contact at soflowvegans.com and we want to thank chris burnham from house of chicken for joining us on this episode it's always great to see entrepreneurs making big moves in the community so check them out at hocvegan.com and also a big shout out to hungry harvest for believing in us and supporting us as a sponsor they signed on to support several episodes and if you would like to do the same thing you have an organization that aligns with our community send us a message contact at soflowvegans.com you can also go to soflowvegans.com sponsorships for more information and continue to listen we have some great podcasts coming up we just wrapped up an interview with the official gray um we've done a lot in the south florida community so check that out coming up soon as well as some other surprise guests so thank you and we look forward to having you join us on our next episode Today's episode was produced and edited by Sean Russell. Alba Mendes Chong is our media coordinator. Go to soflowvegans.com slash podcast to subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and other places where podcasts are found. Goodbye.